0: War loses a great deal of romance after a soldier has seen his first battle. I have a more vivid recollection of the first than the last one I was in. It is a classical maxim that it is sweet and becoming to die for one's country, but whoever has seen the horrors of a battlefield feels that it is far sweeter to live for it. Confederate Colonel John Mosby
1: The War of Secession, War of the Rebellion, The War of Northern Aggression, The Late Unpleasantness, Freedom War, The War Between the States. Though it seemed not everyone could agree on exactly what to call it, the one thing everyone could agree on was that the American Civil War was a time of unrivaled darkness in the country's history. Not even a century removed from the Revolutionary War, the young nation found itself embroiled in debates of nationalism, economics, expansionism, and slavery. As tempers flared over the hot-button issues, a rift in national identity formed and eventually tore the states asunder. As the southern half of the country formed its own government, and eventually its own army to secure its independence, the northern half gathered its sizable might to force the secessionist states back in line, denying any attempt to f*** up the Union. It would have been a real pain in the ass to make new flags for everyone.
0: It's been called America's bloodiest war. Between 1861 and 1865, more Americans lost their lives in the Civil War than in any other American conflict, which is a little misleading, really, since in all other wars, Americans were fighting soldiers from other nations. But it remains an appallingly horrific example of human atrocity. More than 620,000 lives were lost, 2% of the country's population. If that doesn't lift your skirt, In terms of present-day numbers, the number of lives lost would be closer to six million. With so much death spread across the countryside, and gruesome death at that, these men did not go gently into that good night. The war left an indelible imprint on the minds of those who lived through it, and maybe imprints of a different kind.
1: The Civil War uh, was not only a difficult time for our country, but a difficult time for keeping limbs.
0: Medical historian Alan Spoot the sheer number of legs involved. uh,
1: They were, they were piled up like cordwood uh, in it. I would go so far as to say uh, like cordwood, they were also used for fires. Uh, People would make what they call the three leg fire. uh, And that the uh, Confederates knew that that would burn for exactly five hours. And that was how they would um, work out their shift rotations. And to the, to this day, Ah, uh, people working uh, shift rotations in excess of five hours—they—they they call that—they um, throw in another leg on the fire. Uh, that's still—that's still used in the vernacular in some
0: parts of the country. Death on the mountain. The dread in the air was palpable at Fox's Gap on South Mountain one early September morning in 1862. Old Daniel Wise saw it in the eyes of the thousand-some North Carolina Confederates who worked frantically all over his farm, setting up firing lines, digging in behind stone walls, and moving artillery. After everything was in its proper place, the commanding officer rode up to Daniel Wise. Well, good morning to you, sir, the officer said, speaking in an ebullient Virginia accent. It's a accent. Virginia, ebullient accent.
1: I'm General Samuel Garland, an officer of the Confederate States of America. My brigade has been ordered to defend this pass through the mountain against the approaching enemy, and will do so at any hazard. I'd go so far as to say this is an entire hazard county. And I am now the Duke of it. (laughs) Let me assure you that you will be reimbursed for any damage to your farm
0: damage to my farm wise mumbled as he surveyed the trampled mess that used to be his harvest
1: in the meantime garland continued i suggest you and your family leave this area as quickly as possible for there are two brigades of bluecoats coming up the old shopsburg road and we do not intend to let them pass without a fight unless of course they
0: get past the county line that's as far as our jurisdiction goes here in hazard county the old farmer didn't need a second warning Gathering his daughter and son and what personal possessions he could fit into his wagon, Wise left his small wooden cabin behind him. He could hear the opening shots of the battle as the first Union soldiers crested the ridge and found themselves facing General Garland's brigade. The fight for Fox's Gap was was but a lead-in to the horrific battle of Antietam three days later. But for thousands of Union and Confederate soldiers, it was the end of the road. Bullets and cannonballs flew back and forth, decimating both armies' lines. The relentless Union advance on General Garland's position led to fierce hand-to-hand fighting along Daniel Wise's old stone wall. Men lunged at each other with bayonets, knives, and fists. General Garland himself was shot off his horse, breathing his last as his demoralized brigade broke out into a headlong retreat. The battle was brief, but no less bloody for its brevity. By the time the Federals occupied the pass, hundreds of dead bodies lay thick over Wise's fields. It was a landscape of death, with soldiers shot, stabbed, or blown to bits by artillery. Though the Union soldiers were triumphant, an honorous duty came along with the victory in the task of burying the dead. It was hard, ugly work, made worse by the rocky ground at Fox's Gap that (laughs) that made the digging especially difficult. Eventually, the Union men, demoralized, disgusted, and exhausted by their nightmarish detail, decided they had had enough. Eager to finish their burial detail, they gathered the last 58 Confederate bodies and threw them into Daniel Wise's well and moved on. A few days later, Daniel and his children returned home. They couldn't have dreamed up a more horrific sight. Burial mounds of Union soldiers, Confederates in shallow trenches dug right up to the bullet-riddled side of the farmhouse. Death hung over the entire area, and there was no escaping the stench of rot, which the air was thick with. But the worst of it lay at the bottom of the Wise Well, where fifty-eight dead Southerners lay decomposing in the festering darkness of the dank pit.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, okay, Johnny Literary Writer. The festering darkness of the dankest pit. (laughs) Yes.
0: A few days later, Daniel was sitting on his porch, smoking a pipe and trying to figure out what he was going to do about his farm, when a solitary young man appeared in the distance, walking down the old Sharpsburg Road toward his home. As he watched the man approach, he felt a deep chill creep up his back. He wasn't sure why, but the sight of the man filled him with a strange sense of dread. Only when the stranger drew closer did Daniel begin to get an idea of what sort of thing he was facing. At about 20 yards... Daniel couldn't help noticing the bone-white pallor of the man's skin. A few yards closer, and he could make out the eerily blank expression on his face. When the pale man stepped onto Daniel's front yard, the Maryland farmer realized that he could see right through his visitor. Nearly falling out of his chair in fright, he stammered, "Who, who, Who are you? Not sure whether he should have asked what instead of who. The visitor did not respond and a terrifying silence settled over Daniel's yard. When the transparent apparition did speak, its voice sounded cold and empty, like the frigid fall wind.
2: Our
1: lives were stripped from us, and we were not even given a proper burial. Be sure that I will return here every night until we are honored
0: as fallen soldiers. It then slowly turned until it was looking at Daniel Wise as well, standing for a minute or two as it grew ever more transparent, until there was nothing there at all. Frantic and terrified, Daniel ran towards the well, somehow hoping to speak to the dead young confederate, perhaps to tell him that he wasn't the one who had thrown the men in the well, and that he was just as upset at the situation. Maybe not just as, I mean, he wasn't dead. Right, yeah, I I mean, upset,
1: but... There's one set of guys rotting at the bottom of the well, and one guy going, well... Smoking
0: pipe on his porch. Right. He reached the well and threw the cover back, leaning forward into the black pit. He started vomiting like no one has ever vomited before. Daniel was just about to holler his plea when the smell of putrefaction hit him. Called it. He barely managed a tortured gag before crumbling to his knees. He heard them then, as he was hunched against the well coughing and spitting. Their moans rose out of the depths of the well, a tortured chorus of hopelessness and misery. Struggling to his feet, he pushed the lid back on the well and staggered back to his cabin, slamming and barring the door behind him. He didn't sleep a wink that night, plagued by the thoughts of the dead Confederate and the voices in the well. He didn't go back to the well again, but the apparition appeared on the road every night, just as the sun was setting.
1: Was it... The devilish apparition? <laughs> Indeed.
2: The <see>,
0: my lord. <laughs> Nay. Your twas Twas not the devilish apparition. <laughs> it would stop at Daniel's yard and stare straight at him for a few minutes if Daniel was outside. And if he was inside, it would stare at the cabin before fading into nothingness. Daniel never got used to it. If he didn't see the apparition, he could sense it his anxiety grew every day. He tried writing letters to Washington, complaining bitterly about the mess the Union soldiers made in the well that was choked with corpses. Days turned into months. Months turned into years. He never mentioned the apparition in the letters. It continued until Daniel finally received an answer in 1874. A military detail was sent to clean up Daniel's farm. They removed the bodies from the well and exhumed the men buried on his land for proper interment. Daniel never saw the apparition again and lived the rest of his life content that his efforts had granted the dead their final rest, but he never forgot the sound of the voices in the well. Ah.
1: In the immediate aftermath of the war, having mass graves under your farmlands was actually seen to be a, more of a, a bonus.
0: Bill Leathers, food historian.
1: In the years immediately following the war, many southern farms were made into makeshift mass graves. And some stories notwithstanding, it was considered to be quite a boon to local farmers as a, a free source of fertilizer. And they even, uh, they even started calling it soldier corn. Uh, They were also soldier cotton, soldier sorghum, soldier sugar cane, soldier beets, soldier carrots, soldier cabbage, soldier lettuce, and soldier beans, which was actually just soybeans, but nobody liked them. So they called them soldier beans and, you know, it gets the kids to eat them. And, you know, I, I gotta be honest, my mommy still calls them soldier beans to this day. I mean, if I had known
0: I was eating soy, I never would have touched it. But yeah, it was pretty good for the farms to bury soldiers. There were two sets of civilians that came out of the war. Those that were creative with the dead bodies around their property, and those who were not. Battlefield enthusiast, Albert Wolfkin. The creative types would take the bodies of the dead soldiers that had not been interred yet, and create flower boxes out of their bloated corpses. Many people don't know this, but a corpse is great for geraniums to grow in. This is when you had the great geranium boom of southern North Carolina. And even further east along the coast, you had an explosion in the population of what were called soldier poppies, or to the layman, geraniums.
2: The and shell were screaming upon the battlefield. The boys in blue were fighting their noble flag to shield. Came a cry from their brave captain Look, boys, our flag is down. will volunteer to save it from this grave.
1: If the dead can come back to this earth and flit unseen around those they loved, I shall always be near you. Sarah, do not mourn me, dead. Think that I am gone to wait for thee, for we shall meet again." Major Sullivan Ballou to his wife, killed one week later.
2: the of mother, for me, and to
0: More than three million men fought in the Civil War, about 900,000 for the Confederacy, and 2.1 million for the Union. About 200,000 in the Union ranks were no older than 16, and an estimated 300 women disguised themselves as men to fight in the war. Around 6,000 battles, skirmishes, and engagements were fought in such varied terrain as dense forests, wide open fields, low mountains, swamps, and towns. And according to some stories, spirits of the dead replay their actions upon the terrain they were present at, replaying scenes as they did in life, and some involving the living in those scenes. Well,
1: come on over! We's just about to shoot a bunch of northerners! (laughs) The Timely
2: Apparition
1: It had been a disastrous day for the Confederacy. One tragic blow after another had fallen. Lieutenant General A.P. Hill had been killed trying to close a breach in a Confederate line near Hatch's Run, west of the city of Petersburg. Fort Gregg had been overwhelmed, and in a final battle of the day, Federal forces had cut the tracks of the Southside Railroad. That night in the darkness, regiment after regiment of ragged-worn Confederates began marching out of Petersburg. Their orders from General Lee were to evacuate the city. Arriving Union officers had headquartered in Center Hill. One of the city's most beautiful homes. It was built in 1823. Exposition. <laughs> One evening, an officer, not feeling well, had decided to spend the evening in his room at Center Hill.
0: Hey, I got the got the poops here. You all go ahead without me. I'm just going to stay here on the toilet. Ricky!
1: Rick, you got any paper? No, not to read! I need an asswipe.
0: Get your own asswipe!
1: You're an asswipe, Ricky! You are! He's a good guy, he's a good guy. He was alone on the second floor, the other federal officers having left to attend the dinner party more than an hour before, when he heard the door to the office beneath him opening. He started to rise to investigate, then it occurred to him that one of the men had probably come back to get something he'd forgotten. Dumbass. Again, he'd settled himself in a bed and looked at his watch. Since it was 7.30 p.m. on the 24th of January, and Aquarius was in ascendance, and the moon was in the third phase. It had been dark for more than an hour. Although he had convinced himself that one of the officers had returned for something, he heard hinges creak loudly and the sound of a door thrust open with such force it has struck the wall. This noise was followed by the sound of marching footsteps and the clank of weapons. Ah, crap. <laughs> The Union officer seized his revolver and rushed out into the hall, gazing agitatedly in both directions. But the hall was empty. But in regular rhythm, throughout the entire house, he heard a distinct tread of marching feet. Beads of perspiration began to form on his forehead. He resisted the impulse to dash back into his room and slam the door and lock the bolt. Or bolt the lock. He could do both. It was a double lock bolt door. Yeah, you know, that's how security works. You bolt the lock, but then... Lock the bolt. The footsteps in the hall were the loudest right beside him. He stood there trembling. He heard a marcher's heavy, Tramp, 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 going down the stairs and across the floor to the front of the entrance hall. Finally, the front door slammed. By now the men must be out of the house and into the street below. Rushing over the window of his room, he threw open the drapes and stared out. The yellow glare of the gas street lamps illuminated an empty street. So regular did this phantom procession become that owners of Center Hill invited friends and neighbors to experience the event. The phenomena of the Ghost Brigade was an annual occurrence each January 24 at 7.30pm. People in the neighborhood associate Center Hill with yet another eerie tale. The specter of a woman who appears in the upstairs window just above the front door. She was first seen in the late 1800s when the mansion was a private home. It had been built in 1823, of
0: course. Don't forget it, asshole.
1: One day, a small boy who lived there said, Mother, who's a pretty lady holds my hand and talks to me sometimes when I'm in bed at night? Are you sure you aren't imagining her, my dear? What does she look like? I'm not sure, but I think she's pretty, and mother, I can see right through her. His mother was freaked the f- out, of course, and when a child told her that the lady plays beautiful music, the mother recalled that sometimes she thought she heard the melody and strike up some familiar air. When she looked in the room seconds later, nobody was there and she hesitated to speak of these experiences to other members of the family for fear they'd think she was bitch. A former resident of the house insists that the lady has her own bedroom and angrily jerks the covers off her bed if anyone sleeps in it, but most often she's seen at dusk. Some passersby automatically glance up when they come near Center Hill, for they say that the lady always gazes out of the same upstairs window. Oh, boogity-boogity.
0: There were some apparitions that appeared after the war uh, that some folks say you could have set your watch to.
1: Military timepieces expert, Isaac Handy.
0: There's a story about some folks in Virginia who always talked about these uh, voices that would uh, emanate from a local library. Uh, Every day they go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning and they knew they was going to be late if they didn't hear them voices by the time they was on the road. Sometimes they they get on the road, they hear the voices, they knew they were going to get to work and answer those emails and whatever else they do these days. But if they didn't hear them voices, they knew they was either really early, which was very highly unlikely for folks in the south, or they was very late, which was not an ideal situation for them.
1: Before this war is over, I intend to be a major general or a corpse. Brigadier General Isaac Trimble.
0: Who? Major General. Ah, he's a brigadier general at best. General Albus Turnbottom. The Deason House. Recurring hauntings seem to be a common feature of Civil War ghosts. Some haints are as timely as a goatman to an axe party. (laughs) The beginning of the war saw many men volunteer to serve in the army of the government they saw fit to support. It soon became clear, however, that more men would be needed and fast. When a draft was instituted in 1862, all healthy white men between the ages of 18 and 35 were liable for a three-year term of service. This included Jones County, Mississippi farmer Newt Knight who had until then refused to join due to his objection to the cause.
1: Yeah, they called him Nope Knight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Upon being drafted, he served as an orderly in a Confederate hospital. Already unhappy with the whole situation, the last straw came with an amendment passed by the Confederate Congress later that year, which exempted anyone who owned 20 or more slaves from the draft. By all accounts, a man of little wealth... Knight was beyond angry at what he saw as a rich man's war and a poor man's fight, which motivated him to desert from the service. That wasn't the end of Knight, however. He and others of similar mindset formed a renegade army, a Rene brigade, if you will, and operated out of the nearby Leaf River swamp. A force of over a hundred Confederate deserters, the small company conducted raids on Confederate trains, houses of Confederate sympathizers, And southern supply lines, including one raid where he and his men captured five wagon loads of corn, distributing them to needy people in the area afterwards.
1: We're corn rich! Wait a minute.
0: Ah, It's soldier corn. (laughs) (coughs) But those flowers are so nice. (laughs) His actions made him a very wanted criminal by Confederate Sheriff of Nottingham. The army sent Major Amos Macklemore, who knew the swamps there well. What? To to capture what? what? Who knew the swamps there well and chopped at all the (laughs) Salvation Armies? (laughs) To capture Knight and end the scourge his men had become. Macklemore tore up the woods, getting close to Knight's hideout, nicknamed Devil's Den. Damn, that's a cold ass honky. But came up just short of discovering Knight's whereabouts. It was too close for Knight's comfort though, he knew that to guarantee the safety of he and his men, Macklemore had to be stopped at all costs. Knight knew the Major had set up his headquarters in the home of Amos Deason on the outskirts of Ellisville in Jones County. One evening as Macklemore was about to retire from the day, the front door burst open to reveal Knight, and Hill was with him. Before Macklemore could say, What, 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 (laughs) what? Before Macklemore could say, that's hella tight. (laughs) Knight shot him point blank. Oh, he got the Velcros. My Macklemore fell to the floor as blood poured out of the fresh wound and seeped into the boards in the large pool. Knight took off immediately and escaped back into the safety of the swamp. Stories say the Deason's floor was painstakingly scrubbed and cleaned after the shooting. But the blood that seeped into the boards refused to go away. The family finally got tired of seeing the dark spot on the floor, and trip after unsuccessful trip to find matching wood stain at Richard's Dryfus store, so they covered it with new flooring. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it! Damn it! The spot can still be seen from the crawlspace under the house, but worse, on the anniversary of the shooting each year, the door busts open wide to reveal a vacant porch. Had a bunch of people on scooters wearing fur coats.
2: <laughs> I'm uh, like, yo, that ain't right.
1: <laughs> the battle cry of "shit!" It was 99 cents echoed through the halls of the home.
0: Pop culture rap historian Devin Hardigan.
1: From that moment, they proceeded to ransack the house, forsaking the moccasin someone else had been walking in. They proceeded to pop tags, loudly proclaiming that. They had no less than $20 in their pocket. Hunting through the house for a come-up. It was f***ing awesome.
0: War is cruelty. There's no use trying to reform it. The crueler it is, the sooner it'll be over. Union General, William Tecumseh Sherman.
1: Part of the war's fierce savageness towards human life came from the military tactics that were used juxtaposed with the military technology at play. What is this, Flora? Is this your fucking SAT, uh, essay portion? Is that what's going on here? It's at least
0: a 1,400. <laughs> Thirteen Man. of their assholes.
1: Yeah, you dude, you're only applying to state schools, dude. You don't just swing for the fences like this, all right? <laughs> 18th century war strategy was employed with 19th century weapons, meaning lining up and slowly advancing toward your enemy resulted in more deaths from accurate, faster guns. Artillery became more advanced, as did the ammunition, and the bayonet was almost obsolete as many soldiers didn't even get a chance to get close enough to the enemy to use them. That's not to say hand-to-hand fighting didn't occur, which it did, many times brutally.
0: Too many times, regiments upon regiments of soldiers found themselves in less than ideal situations on the battlefield.
1: Albert Wolfkin Battlefield enthusiast.
0: Soldiers often found themselves confronted by rocks of all sizes and shapes, and they had to traverse this terrain in footwear that was not conducive to rock jumping. That's what they called it in the South when you had to traverse rocky terrain, rock jumping. The North probably had a different title for it, or a term of endearment for rocky terrain, but they did not use it in any of the letters and testimonials of the day.
1: The hellhole. Or the heckhole. A particularly savage battle took place in the town of New Hope, Georgia in May of 1864. General William Tecumseh Sherman was on his march to the sea, but was hounded by Confederate forces under General Joe Johnson. Able to maneuver around most of Johnson's defensive positions, Sherman's forces eventually ran into a particularly dug-in corps near New Hope Church. Lying in wait for the Federals, 5,000 Confederates and 16 cannons unleashed a furious assault as soon as the Bluecoats marched into range. Union troops struggled through the thick underbrush and emerged into a clearing where they were immediately hit with a firestorm of bullets and canister shot. As the battle raged, legend says that the clear blue Georgia sky suddenly grew dark and the heavens opened up in a fierce thunderstorm as opposed to the firestorm. Lightning flashed, and the accompanying claps of thunder mingled with the muzzle flashes and booms of artillery, and the Union men crawled through the torrent of rain and bullets into a nearby ravine for any kind of cover possible. The barrage of sound from sky and gun was matched only by the low, eerie moan of wounded soldiers on the battlefield in the ravine. They could be heard saying, inky tinky dinky winky binky, tonky, shonky
0: punky."
2: Yeah, I heard them. I heard them last night.
1: Okay, maybe I was confusing my ghost stories. No, we're not done with this month yet. I will find one of those.
2: Yep. Um.
1: (laughs) The storm ended as did the battle, and more than 1,600 Union union lives were lost. The location was thenceforth known as the Hell Hole. Or Heck Hole.
0: Or Heck Hell.
1: (laughs) Well, then we can take the children if it's just a
0: Heck Hole. (laughs) I call it a heckle.
2: <laughs>
1: Many people have sought Civil War memorabilia throughout the years by visiting battlefields and picking through the landscape for items left by the armies which had passed through. Such was the case with a couple of men who went looking for artifacts from the Battle of Hellhole, Heckhole. Obtaining permission from the farmer who owned the land, they set out across the fields and soon found buttons, bayonets, bullets, and other things that start with B. <laughs> Both stopped after a while, however, suddenly realizing that one of them had a rifle. they instantly <laughs> Drop it. Th- Yeah, they threw it away. Doesn't fit. <laughs> Until one of them said, wait a minute, is it a blunderbuss? <laughs> Both stopped after a while, however, suddenly realizing that a powerful stench had settled the air around them. It smelled of decay and rot, and though there were no dead animals or anything around them that they saw... The clear sky suddenly grew dark when a torrent of rain poured forth, followed by rampant lightning and booming thunder. The men ran for any kind of shelter they could find, which happened to be a nearby barn. Thankfully, they did not seek out a tree, which is extraordinarily dangerous in a sudden thunderstorm.
0: And starts with a T.
1: Yeah. B is for barn. <laughs> Get inside the Buick. <laughs> not the Chevy, the Buick. Not the
0: Chevy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wet bus.
0: I said the bueing! Come on!
1: As they reached it, they began to hear an odd sounds mixed with the storm. Some kind of moaning, some screaming as of something in terrible pain. Perhaps an animal on the farm had gotten injured during the sudden downpour, they thought. Within moments, the sky had cleared, and when they saw the farmer driving towards the barn. Meeting the farmer at his truck, they told him to drive down towards the ravine. He may have had a hurt animal back there, but it was just Richard Dreyfus. <laughs>
0: Someone get me out of this ravine!
1: Ow! The farmer said that that was impossible. Ever since he was a boy, his father had told him to avoid that section of the farm, claiming there was something evil about that place. The farmer never pastured his animals anywhere near there.
0: Cowards! They couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. Union General George Sedgwick's last words.
1: Hey y'all, what y'all want? Bet I can shoot that guy over there. What's talking about elephants? Confederate soldier with gun.
0: Although advances in weapons technology continued through the war, the state of medical technology was still locked firmly in the past. All blood was assumed to be the same, so surgeons never bothered washing their hands, nor did they bother washing their instruments. Simple flesh wounds led to amputations due to the lack of proper treatment to prevent gangrene. Men were generally partially sedated with chloroform or alcohol before surgeries. Contrary to popular belief, few soldiers experienced amputation without any anesthetic. In fact, a few soldiers died of chloroform poisoning rather than their wounds. Battlefield surgeons were underqualified, and hospitals were generally poorly supplied and staffed.
1: Soldier potatoes, soldier grass,
0: Bill Leathers, food historian,
1: Soldier radishes, soldier spinach, soldier trees, soldier apples, soldier lemons, soldier tall grass, soldier sweet grass, soldier broccoli, Did I say soldier carrots?
0: The Nelson House The Nelson House in Yorktown, Virginia has a long and interesting history dating back to the early 18th century. It was in the middle of conflicts in both the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. In fact, it still bears the scars of conflict in the form of a Revolutionary War cannonball, which is still visible today, protruding between two attic windows. The scars it bears from the Civil War are less visible or perhaps more impressionable. In 1862, the Union Army of the Potomac, led by the rather inept General George McClellan, found a small army of Confederates entrenched in and around Yorktown. Outnumbered nearly seven to one, the Confederates defended their position for as long as they could hold out before finally retreating. During the engagements, the Nelson House was converted to a field hospital, transforming the once stately colonial abode into a nightmarish den of human suffering, <laughs> and badgers.
1: And badgers. Well, I mean, if you got you got a hellish den of human suffering, you're
0: gonna get badgers. <laughs> we set a bunch of badger traps. None of them worked. None of them worked.
1: <laughs> we could not get rid of them
0: badgers. While the Confederates <laughs>
2: get get go on get.
0: While the Confederates lost little more than 140 men, there were enough wounded to fill the Nelson House with shattered bodies. (laughs) And hungry badgers! Minor wounds were treated on the first floor. Most of the grisly amputation work was done on the second, and those poor souls deemed wounded beyond remedy were put in the attic. One can only imagine the horrible scene on the third floor. Overcrowded with men mangled beyond remedy... The attic was filled with the cries of mortal lamentations. Yorktown was eventually occupied by Union forces for the rest of the war, yet, if life went back to relative normalcy, things at the Nelson house were never the same. The Nelson family continued to live in the house until 1907, and while some stories circulated about the house during this time, the Nelsons were very guarded about what, if anything, they saw within the four walls of their family abode. Some visitors spoke of chill drafts that suddenly blew through hallways and rooms. There were also guests who caught sight of darting shadows moving in the periphery of their vision, moving shapes that faded to nothing the moment startled witnesses turned to face them. Still others spoke of the strange sense of foreboding they felt by merely looking up at the dark attic windows when they walked by. It has since been purchased by the National Park Service and fully restored into one of the central attractions in Yorktown's colonial National Historical Park.
1: I thought it was one of the nation's leading <laughs>
0: badger, badger pre- Yeah,
1: it's a badger preserve. <laughs> uh, it's a badger ranch. <laughs> uh, you, guys, you kids want to try the badger rodeo?
0: You will die. <laughs> Many people visit the Nelson House to learn a little of America's past, and such was the case for longtime friends Linda and Kathy one summer day. Upon approaching the house, Linda got a weird feeling when she looked up at the attic windows. Something about them just felt wrong. The feeling kept getting worse and worse, and by the time they were inside, she had goosebumps going up and down the back of her neck. As Kathy noticed Linda's trepidation, their mood became more serious. But both found the situation a bit thrilling, so they continued inside and took the tour. While there was much history about the revolution, very little was said about the house's use during the Civil War. And when their group walked by the attic staircase, they were told that the third floor was currently off limits. Still excited by the foreboding feeling the place gave them, and the idea of hot makeouts, and feeling a bit mischievous. Linda told Kathy she intended to get a peek of at the attic, to which Kathy giggled in agreement.
1: Because Kathy thought that that was a euphemism.
0: The pair waited until there was no one around and dashed up the narrow stairs to the top floor as quickly and quietly as they could. Badgers! <laughs> <laughs> they were immediately assaulted by wave after wave of badger. <laughs>
1: It was like a river of badgers (laughs) pouring down the attic stairs. (laughs) It was like a bavalanche. Washing the flesh off their
0: bones. (laughs) (laughs) Land piranhas. (laughs) A hot rain of teeth and
2: claws.
0: (laughs) The attic was nothing at all like the rest of the house. It was dark and dusty and totally unkempt. But the thing that stood out was the smell. A disgusting, musty sort of rot that seemed to be getting stronger. After a few seconds, the smell was overwhelming, and Kathy doubled over and started to gag. Linda was just about to lead her friend out of the attic when she heard the first moan drift through the darkened room. It came from one of the corners, a sad and scary groan, like there was a man there in horrible pain though there was no one else in the attic with them. A moment later, the first moan of pain was joined by another one. And then, a heartbeat later, yet another. Soon the room was filled with the sound of men groaning in agony. Terrified, Linda grabbed Kathy's hand and was just about to start leading her out when she saw him. A dark silhouette was standing against one of the attic windows, facing the two women as they were turning to go downstairs. Linda froze, her feet rooted to the floor in fear, as if moving would cause the thing to lunge at them. The figure was shaped like a man, but was also transparent. The light from the window behind the silhouette was slightly visible, as if it was being filtered through a dark sheet. They stared at the shape for what seemed like an eternity, but when it took a step towards them, they bolted never looking back. What a couple of rubes.
1: There's a reason we have velvet ropes in these places, people.
0: And all these badger signs. Yeah, beware of badgers.
1: (laughs) One common thought at the time was that if a wound showed pus, it was healing, and that pus would be scraped off and transferred to another patient to help in their recovery. In reality... Pus is a sure sign of infection, and doctors were only spreading disease and ignorance. It is widely accepted that disease claimed more lives than bullets during the Civil War. Fully two-thirds of the death in the war were caused by disease. Medical naivete, coupled with wretched conditions like overcrowding, lack of sanitation, and pest infestations, created a sweet, succulent death cocktail of doom for 413,000 soldiers.
0: A lot of Civil War doctors back in the day had uh, these these big watches they all wore.
1: Military timepiece expert, Isaac Handy.
0: They figured it was better to get soldiers in and out again in a timely manner than it was to actually treat the wounds. So many of them decided they were going to have races. And some of the nurses got involved and they'd get pretty mad at the, the nurses when they get in the way and they're trying to shovel the bodies out of there and then... They'd slip on a limb or something, and then they'd go fine. and some of them broke their watches. And, of course, they, on a military medical doctor's salary back then, they couldn't afford new timepieces. So they, uh, a lot of them retired from the profession and uh, picked up a shovel and a hoe, and they, they started uh, planting soldieraniums.
1: The Phantom Surgeon Pennsylvania Hall at Gettysburg College has been the site of many Civil War-era ghost encounters. But perhaps none can compare to what two college administrators saw one night. This is where we cut to a hilarious 80s sex romp. (laughs) I hope that bra bomb's ready, nerdlinger. (laughs) The dean's almost here. (laughs) Hey, you look tubular, babe. Do you want to go have mondo sex? Oh, you. (laughs) Come on, it's not like Reagan's watching. (laughs) Will actually, actually, wow, I just left the door wide
0: open for that. <laughs> and my, my peepers on that fine buttocks. Uh, ever since you've strolled into the disco, uh, this university uh, receives
2: federal funds. Uh, gotta
0: gotta check up every every once in a while when school starts. God, I hate that. Will. <laughs>
1: One hundred years previous. Flashback. The building had been used as a field hospital for many of the fierce battles wounded. But on this night, the two administrators were taking the elevator from the fourth floor down to the first. The long-ago nightmare wasn't even on their minds. How dare they forget. Jags. Everyone who's in an elevator should be thinking of the long-ago nightmares. (laughs) Inexplicably, the elevator passed the first floor and continued on to the basement. When the doors opened, the administrators could scarcely believe their eyes. What they knew to be storage space was replaced by a scene from a hospital overrun by badgers. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Dead and dying men were lying about on the floor. Blood-covered doctors and orderlies were rushing about chaotically, trying desperately to save their lives. No sound emanated from the ghostly sight, but both administrators saw it quite clearly. Horrified, they frantically pushed the elevator button to close the doors, and as the doors closed, they said, one of the orderlies looked up and directly at them, seeming to see them with a pleading expression on his face.
0: I confess, without shame, that I am sick and tired of fighting. Its glory is all moonshine. Even success in the most brilliant is over dead and mangled bodies, with the anguish and lamentations of distant families appealing to me for sons, husbands, and fathers. It's only those who have never heard a shot, never heard the shriek and groans of the wounded and lacerated that cry aloud for more blood, more vengeance, more desolation. Union General William Tecumseh Sherman.
1: It is painful enough to discover with what unconcern they speak of war and threaten it. They do not know its horrors. I have seen enough of it to make me look upon it as the sum of all evils. Confederate General Stonewall Jackson
0: Perhaps nowhere in the war was death by disease and disregard more readily apparent than in the prison camps of the late war years. Designed to hold thousands of prisoners, they were often crammed with tens of thousands at a time. Conditions were reprehensible. Filth... Poor hygiene, lack of food, and exposure all led to disease and slow but constant death in northern and southern prisons alike.
1: Arguably the most infamous of these prison camps was Camp Sumter, better known as Andersonville in Georgia. Built in 1864, it saw more than 45,000 Union soldiers of war pass through its gates, with more than 13,000 never passing back out. Never meant to hold more than 10,000 prisoners, at its height, approximately 33,000 prisoners were jammed inside its walls. A branch of Sweetwater Creek called the Stockade Branch flowed through the prison yard and was the only source of water for most of the prison. It quickly became a cesspool as prisoners used it for disposal of human waste.
0: There's so much filth about the camp, it's terrible trying to live here. Michigan Cavalryman John Ransom
1: Damn, sh!t's nasty! Union Prisoner Ambrose Giblets
0: In the Prison Pen Listless, he eyes the palisades and sentries in the glare. Tis barren as a pelican beach, but his world is ended there. Nothing to do, and vacant hands bring on the idiot pain. He tries to think, to recollect, but the blur is on his brain. Around him swarm the pleaning ghosts like those on Virgil's shore, a wilderness of faces dim, and pale ones gashed and hoar. A smiting sun, no shed, no tree, he totters to his lair, a den that sick hands dug in earth ere famine wasted there. Or, dropping in his place, he swoons, walled in by throngs that press, till forth from the throngs they bear him dead. Dead in his meagerness Herman Melville, 1864
1: Its huge door swung open and we were in the presence of I don't know what to call them It was evident that they were human beings But hunger, sickness, exposure, and the dirt Had so transformed them that they resembled Walking skeletons painted black Union Sergeant Lucius Barber on the prison at Andersonville.
0: Prisons weren't considered the same as battlefields in the Civil War. Battlefield Enthusiast Albert Wolfkin while there were some skirmishes that took place within pinned-up walls of prisons. Most of these were short and over-territory food or makeshift weapons that the prisoners had. In fact, you couldn't even draw lines of where territories within prisons began and when they ended. What was true, however, was that the terrain was rocky and almost indefensible.
1: When the war ended, Confederate Captain Henry Wirtz, the prison's commandant, was arrested and charged with conspiring with the high Confederate officials to, quote, impair and injure the health and destroy the lives of federal prisoners and, quote, murder in violation of the laws of war. Such a conspiracy never existed, but the public anger and indignation throughout the North over the conditions at Andersonville demanded appeasement.
0: Wirtz was hanged in Washington, D.C. on November 10, 1865, and was the only person executed for war crimes during the Civil War. He reportedly said to the officer in charge, I know what orders are, Major. I am being hanged for obeying them. The old
1: Capitol building. Before his trial and execution, Henry Wirtz was detained in another infamous Civil War prison, the Old Brick Capitol in Washington, D.C. Originally built as a temporary building for the Congress of 1815, once the original U.S. Capitol was rebuilt after being burned in the War of 1812, the Old Brick Capitol was used as a private school, then as a boarding house until it was converted into a Union prison in 1861. Iron bars were affixed to the otherwise inauspicious building in disrepair, and as many as 20,000 prisoners saw the inside of its walls. While not exactly in Motel 6, the prison was a far sight better than such prisons as Andersonville. As opposed, you know, on account of not having
0: the... uh, Cesspool of human waste.
1: Right, yeah, the the clear mandate to murder people through neglect. Mm -hmm. That's not to say it's guests weren't unhappy to be there and didn't leave their own mark in some way or another. This kind of reminds me of that scene in Sixth Sense. You know, like it was
0: a school now, but it used to be. And there was mm-hmm. th- uh, stories Mostly I- because Henry Wirtz is played by Bruce Willis.
1: <laughs> all I wanted everyone to know is that I know how to obey orders. Yippee-ki-yay.
0: <laughs> Mother Yankees. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you had to be a commandant. Had to be a big deal in the confederate, yeah, well, John. Yeah. You're in trouble now, aren't you, John? Now you gotta <laughs> kill all these people through neglect and exposure. Used to be one of the good guys, John. What happened? What happened? Wife won't even take his last name anymore. (laughs) We need Mark Coulomb for this. Like, this is a moment. We need, I need the best Bruce Willis I can get, and that's Mark Coulomb. (laughs) Oh, John, what have you done? All right. Stories have added up throughout the years of strange happenings experienced at the site of the old brick Capitol. In the 1920s, a congressman headed to work early in the morning noticed a figure ahead of him pacing back and forth. Thinking it an odd sight, the congressman got closer and saw that the form had a hat with an upturned bill on and a sword hanging from his waist. As the congressman started to speak to the figure, the figure seemed to become fuzzy and then suddenly blinked out of existence. The congressman was left staring at the entrance to the old Capitol building. Later, in 1922, the building was converted into a dormitory and headquarters for the National Women's Party, a suffrage group. Uh... Yeah, ladies, you guys want to vote? I guess you're going to have to live in this prison. Uh. Don't worry, it's your new headquarters. The bars are for your protection, lady.
2: Uh.
0: <laughs> 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 Drill bit.
1: Hole. Tales of their experiences there began to swirl as the women were losing sleep to sounds of moaning, weeping, and sighing.
2: Uh,
0: <sighs> I just can't sleep.
1: Sometimes these mournful sounds were broken up by bone-chilling screams, cries, and footsteps, strange laughter, and cell doors being slammed closed, doors which had been removed years before. Some theories say that the laughter could be from the cheeky Confederate spy, Bell Boyd, who spent some time behind bars there. The footsteps could be from the commandant of Andersonville himself, Henry Wirtz, as he paced back and forth awaiting his fate. Although the building was raised in 1929 to make room for the Supreme Court building, the spirits may not have vacated the site. As recently as 1991, reports have been told of crying sounds, black-coated figures slowly pacing, and mysterious paths appearing in the snow suddenly. So, so you're saying in the Supreme Court building there have been sightings of black-cloaked figures? Maybe I, it's a I robe?
0: See. I see.
1: Wow. It's haunted by justice
0: eagle sound <laughs> nice
1: and mysterious paths appearing in the snow suddenly paths that trace those taken by prisoners from the prison up to the gallows justice
0: This war was a fearful lesson. and should teach us the necessity of avoiding wars in the future. Union General Ulysses S. Grant. Well, the best part's getting shot. Dale Pepperidge, veteran Civil War reenactor. I mean... Up until
1: that point, it's just running through the woods, leaping over logs. Everyone's all upset about who got hit and what's going to win. Maybe this is the time we'll win the battle. I mean, just last week, I mean, we were forced to reenact over very rocky terrain. I was I was perplexed by the no less than four different kinds of rocks put in my path. But once you get shot, you just get to lay down in a nice field and just wait for it all to be over. Yeah. The best part of a reenactment's getting shot.
0: The war, in no uncertain terms, took its toll on soldiers and civilians alike, both physical and psychological. From the loss of family, witnessing a comrade fall, and seeing one's livelihood burned and ravaged, to experiencing deplorable conditions and having one's country torn apart in front of them. The costs of the American Civil War were too great to comprehend and too much for some to bear. It drove otherwise healthy, sane people to measures they never anticipated meeting, and forced others to far worse. Such was the case at a small barn on the property of Mary Thompson on Seminary Ridge, just northwest of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. The Thompson Barn. Serving as headquarters for Confederate General Robert E. Lee himself, Every bit of the Thompson property was converted to Confederate use during the horrendous three-day battle at Gettysburg. The barn and house were made into temporary field hospitals, and even the matron Thompson tended the wounded and dying as best she could, wrapping the dead up in her carpets. The barn, having no carpets to speak of, afforded the dead a less auspicious rest. Bodies were piled like cordwood in what was called the stone room of the cellar. It served to keep the bodies cool and out of the way until they could be buried. As the battle wore on, the bodies piled up in the stone room. Unbeknownst to those handling the corpses, however, one body stirred and awakened, wounded but alive. The soldier found, to his horror, he was buried under a decomposing heap of fellow soldiers, unable to move or call out. Within a couple days, the Confederates had begun a retreat to Virginia, and federal forces gained control of the region. Soon thereafter, the barn and the cellar full of rotting corpses was discovered. Burial details began the daunting task of removing the bloated, festering bodies one at a time. As they reached the bottom of the heap, they took up the leg of one corpse, only to see the man's eyes open suddenly, and his whole body start to twitch. Maniacal screams poured from the man's lips, and the Union soldiers scattered in fright. The man had been alive and beneath a pile of human remains for close to four days, left there to descend slowly and dreadfully into insanity. When a doctor finally got to him, the man was irreparably mad. He died a few days later, carefully checked to make certain and properly buried. Towards the turn of the century, the barn burned down A house was built where it stood, conveniently incorporating the cellar into the basement of the new home. The cellar room had been put behind a door to the rest of the basement, having a dirt floor and stone walls, and not really being of any use. It wasn't long after moving in that the new occupants started hearing weird sounds coming from the basement, sounds that weren't easily explained away by normal logic. All coming from the stone room, the family was frightened but became used to the sounds and lived with them for a while. Until one summer night, when a sound like a furnace exploding roared up from the basement. Having been asleep, the family all rushed from their beds, startled and curious. Appliances in the kitchen shook, glasses fell from shelves, furniture moved across rooms, and by all accounts, it seemed as if an earthquake had begun near the house. Descending into the basement, the family found the source of the agitation, the door to the stone room. It seemed as though someone was on the other side of it, pounding the door with a sledgehammer or the like. The door actually bent outward with each blow, the wood straining from the pressure as if it would fly across the room at any moment. Seeing all they needed to, the family got the holy blue f*** out of there and refused to return to the house. They asked a priest for assistance, and he agreed to bless the house. Assessing the situation, the priest told them was indeed haunted, but not by a malevolent spirit. He said the spirit in the basement was trapped and scared, that the family should pity it, not fear it. He performed a ceremony, drew a cross on the door, and blessed the house. The family still moved out shortly after, and the property was purchased by the Lutheran seminary. No further disturbances have been reported since.
1: Sounds like a classic Scooby doing. I think the Lutherans wanted that house the whole time. Those tricksy Lutherans. They'll get you. You bet. You bet. The past is dead. Let it bury its dead, its hopes and its aspirations. Before you lies the future, a future full of golden promise. President of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis. Y'all should leave. <laughs> 10,000 confederate spirits
0: civil war ghosts a podcast by (laughs) blurry photos
1: in association with blurry photos productions and talking mongoose films
0: and now puns i've got a confederate prison known for its distinctive visual style where symmetry and pastel colors was important and hipsters highly respected it. Really? Yeah, it's called Wes Andersonville.
1: Oh, uh, there was so many quirky guards with interesting anachronistic clothing choices. Mm-hmm. And Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bill Murray was the commandant.
1: Uh, did you hear there was a Civil War general? Um, Who? Well, he was. Um, he was very famous, noted in a lot of books. Which one? He was famous because he uh, would commemorate every one of his battlefield victories by going into the enemy general's tent and just dropping a deuce right on his desk. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That was William dumpsa <laughs> Sherman.
2: <laughs> Those... Yeah, poop
1: jokes, poop jokes. <laughs> Try to beat that, tough guy. On his march to the latrine. <laughs> That's right.
0: All right. Well, I actually have a general of my own. It's a highly respected primate who was a great leader of others of his kind, who all had coats of gray. Oh. And they all lived on Madagascar. Oh, really? Yeah. It was General Robert E. Lemur.
1: Nice. Nice. I like that. I I was just getting the whiff of it, but then you landed it before I could bring it into my brain. Uh, Did you hear that there was a uh, a Civil War prison where the man put in charge of it was a very devout follower of God and thought that if anyone... What was the guy's name? Well... I fucking hate you <laughs> That if if anyone could reform him It would be this guy And it was his promise That he would uh, not only Incarcerate until the end of the war But also Reha dang diddly Each and every one of those prisoners It was Flandersonville
0: <laughs> Oh, okay
1: yeah, They were subject to re-education Oh mm.
0: yeah. <laughs> Badger. Oh, man. I got a bonus one. You want a bonus? I would love a bonus on my face. I have a group of Confederate generals who were very popular for a time in the war who knew their ABCs.
1: Uh Uh-huh. They were literate. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And even in the toughest battles, they'd be there. Sadly, they didn't survive, though, and they wished they had one more chance. It was the Stonewall Jackson 5. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) Them puns. Them uh,
1: puns. Oh, those haunted Civil War puns. Oh,
0: goodness. Looking looking through my spy glasses, I can see a regiment coming up th- over the ridge there.
1: Yeah, it's not just the south that gets to rise again. <laughs> nope.
2: <laughs> it's Listener Man! Man! My leg.
1: <laughs> Listener mail. We're starting right off the bat with uh with this is our first letter from a friend of ours, I guess across the pond as they say. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, which I have to say I always, I'm always happy um Egbert Ecbert ECGbert. <laughs> ECGbert. <laughs> E-c-gbert. <laughs> ECGbert. Uh that's more fun to say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with that. Um, electrocardiogrambert yeah he is a, a listener from the uk which thank oh. you so much that's awesome
0: ha, uh, as they say in the uk hello <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh boy i gotta tell you i mean he doesn't say this explicitly but i feel like whenever we have a listener from the uk who enjoys our podcast <laughs> that is free reign that all of our accents are perfect and spot on <laughs> <laughs> and we we no one can judge us <laughs>
0: I think I think that's how that works, right? That that's how I'm going to take it. Perfect. That's how. That's the ticket I'm punching on this train.
1: Um, and he uh, started listening to our show after it was recommended on the Chromecast. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So thank you, gentlemen, for the recommendation, and thank you, ECG Bert, for coming to us from there. Very nice. And uh, he he's really enjoying it. His wife's getting into it, and he likes our attempts to find the most logical. <laughs> explanations that we can and he's got some awesome awesome show suggestions here cool um so thank you very much and even to suggests that maybe we uh record a a little uh nerdery a little role playing get some oh. ken height as gm i we've mean we've
0: talked about this i
1: know i don't think we can afford him <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a pro i mean he's a pro it's like it's like saying do you want to play catch well let me let me go see if
0: Derek jeter's available yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah I don't know if we can get him, but we'll try. I love that idea also recommends uh, a guy named John Shuttleworth, who's a uh a comic character on BBC Radio Four huh. who kind of sings uh curiously tuneful songs, which curiously I believe tuneful yeah i think I think they're kind of silly songs. Okay. I mean, not that we have any experience with that sort of thing. I don't know why we'd be interested in that. What's a song? We take everything so seriously. <laughs> But no, he's got a, a lot of great suggestions for some other things. Sweet um, comedy radio series called Nebulous, that's also on uh, iTunes. So thank you very much for that, ECG Bert, and also thanks us for the uh, the ghost story about the uh, the head that falls down the chimney.
0: Jesus!
1: Apparently uh, helped his his stressed out wife and sick daughter. We we help everyone. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We we're kind of the best people now.
0: <laughs> like. That- if you had told me that something (laughs) could help a sick person yeah uh, I would not have have thought of (laughs) haity-tighty harpy-tarty farty-warty
1: wow well whatever works man Uh, so thank you so much ECB Gbert he said uh, he'd write more but this damn situation transformation is turning his hands into flippers and his nose is getting sore from typing Oh well that's too bad to which we say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bashar. Bashar. <laughs> Thanks, ECG Bert. Thank you. Uh,
0: Dave. Yeah. Oh,
1: I don't like the look. I don't like the cut of your jib right now, son.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm not thinking about anything, but I'm so super zoned in. That's right. What? I have nothing but mindless focus.
1: Nice. And
0: no D&D reference. <laughs> did it what oh <laughs> oh I'm back sorry I'm just so focused on this <laughs> Shut up. all right uh, mindless focus has been keeping up with this although he hasn't found time to write uh, uh, recently with the old J.O.B. yeah I know, know how, how it goes is. brother know how that is we're all just but cogs in the machine man he does have a useless superpower oh let's hear it thermosensory the ability to know the exact, and he's talking 99.98% accuracy, temperature outside or of anything in Kelvins, Fahrenheit, or Celsius.
1: Wow, that's a lot of useful information. But only while naked.
2: Whoa!
0: whoa, whoa. Cold. <laughs> now, I believe, I believe the answer to all those would be, it's cold! It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> Also, got a suggestion for what our listeners could be called. Oh, I hear that. He suggests cryptogs, cryptos plus photogs equals cryptogs.
1: Mm, hmm. I'm instantly going to turn that into cryptogs.
0: We're like pigs that lurk <laughs> in in the crypt. Cryptogs, because we talk about crypts, and I instantly turn that into cryptpogs. Oh, creatures that play hogs from there's no creatures left 90s. to play bogs mm. <laughs> that's it that's an extinct what a game. weird fad what a weird what a strange trend mercifully too old for it missed it i, I had a with. bunch i don't know what happened to them your slammers. really i don't really spend money on it i didn't know what the hell it was nobody but knows nobody knew then either <laughs> whatever thank you
1: mindless focus oh that focus without the mind we got one from ben p Ben P. Who kicks it off with a merry blurry photober?
0: <laughs> a merry a blurry photober to thunder sound.
1: Yeah. And what blurry photober could be complete without a Franken duck?
2: Jesus.
1: Well, I don't know. You've made a sound. I wanted to make a sound.
0: <laughs> now we're all making sounds. And he called for it. Yeah, see?
1: And listen, I don't want to spoil this, but there's a goat boy. What? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, goat man, come pick up your kid. <laughs> <laughs> He's causing problems. Yeah, that's real. Oh, and guess what? Also known as the poplick monster. And this guy is from a little place called Kentucky. Ever heard of it, Flora. I've run across it once or twice. I'd like to believe that you've known about this the whole time and have been keeping me in the dark. There is a Pope Lick, um, what is it, bridge or something? Yeah, well thanks, Ben P for letting me know that Flora has been quietly <laughs> undermining me this
0: whole time. Oh, Pope Lick. What a what a nexus for
1: paints. Yeah. Well, Ben has even had a personal experience with the goat boy. Poisonal? Goat boy?
0: Very personal.
1: Uh, the Goat Boy supposedly haunts a terrifying train trestle that straddles a road and oh. a creek. Huh? Yeah. See,
0: both called Pope Lick. That's probably the same thing. It's probably what I'm thinking about.
1: Uh, in short, it causes people to have nearly uncontrollable urge to try to cross the still active trestle. Wow. NP. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, ah, my bladder. Both. <laughs> Uh, and he found himself seriously considering climbing up onto the trestle last year when revisiting his home for his high school reunion. Yeah. It didn't occur to him until after that he was experiencing the urges the Goatman is blamed for. Boy. Yeah. Goatman goat boy. boy. Goatman goat boy. He's a goat adolescent.
0: <laughs> He's a goat tween.
1: He's go He is goat teen going on goat, goat. 17. <laughs> Hatchet becomes an ass. Oh my
0: God! The goat of music is all That's often, right. is What we're gonna yeah, end up He's with
1: upgrading here. from uh, from go karts to uh, hatchbacks.
0: Doe a goat? Oh God! <laughs> Female <laughs> Stop. goat. Stop! No more. Ray. A goat that is has named, a laser
1: is named Ray. <laughs> Me, the guy who, who runs from, from the goats. goats. <laughs> Far, how? That's where oh, I, I run from, goat. from goats. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> Jesus, uh, he's also got Soul,
0: some- <laughs> a note that follows goats,
1: <laughs> and that brings me back to goats, 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 goats,
0: goats. axe, axe,
1: and badgers. <laughs> All right, uh, he's got some names for our listeners too. Oh, wow, yeah, how about this? Double exposures. <laughs> How about the double Sounds entendres? Ooh.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sandhill
1: cranes? <sighs> Would never do that to our listeners because we love our listeners. <sighs> what are you into over there? <laughs> it's my... Do we have to get two separate booths? Is that, is that <laughs> we got to do this? You want to Skype this from now on? <laughs> if you didn't like those two, how about swamp gassers? Wow. Yeah, that's for our <laughs> Matoon, our, our Mattoon listeners. Oh. Mm.
0: Foreshadowing.
1: Yes. And how about some uh couple of couple of couple of one two uh couple of <laughs> couple of mundane superpowers there? Oh, okay. Couple of tree, four one two two <laughs> mostly two superpowers. <laughs> how about <clears throat> Siri nunciation? The power to have Siri understand you perfectly every time. Wow. That I he even puts it in here that it might be too
0: useful to be mundane. Yeah, worth its weight in gold. Yeah, yeah.
1: How about spoil cognition? You uncontrollably know the ending of every book, movie, or TV show oh, the moment you begin to enjoy it. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Terrible. Oh, God.
1: Some of these are, are super curses. Yeah, they are. That is a super curse. There's nothing powerful about that.
0: Oh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben.
2: <laughs>
0: Dave, we heard from uh, a new writer to the, to the, Sweet. To the old...
2: Welcome up. New new
0: new waiter in the in the pool.
1: Accept this digital hug and this coupon for a back rub.
0: <laughs> you just freaked out, Claire. Oh, I <laughs> knew it. Hello, Claire. Claire Bear.
1: Um She hates that. <laughs> <laughs> She's a woman. Okay.
0: Claire uh, says she she found the show and, and has been crawling through the old archives. Whew, that's some rough
1: crawling. Uh, you're, you're gonna find some badgers in there. You're <laughs> gonna get some badgers
0: in there. She she asked if we well, she was trying to see if we had covered this. I think we we touched on it, didn't really cover cover, but touched on the old Bunnyman Bridge. Remember the uh, the the old Bunnyman who was cousin to the Goatman? No, I don't at all. The the Virginia Bunnyman? <laughs> no. She says she actually used to live near that sect of Fairfax. And went to that bridge quite a few times. And uh, can't say that it's obscenely haunted, but it was certainly creepy. Huh. And then uh, said she went to the Glendale Hospital, which was something else altogether. But haven't covered Glendale Hospital. That's something we we might look into. Okay. Interesting. Threw us a couple of uh, suggestions or three. Yes. Thank you. Put them in the bank, Flora. And... uh, Claire's gonna keep on keeping on with the old shows. I uh, hope you uh, enjoy the old backlog. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Claire, uh, it's a glorious s- log. Send us, send us, uh, send us your your questions and and you know whatever you want to talk about. Just send it to us uh, on the old contact page. There, we're we're, oh, yeah. we're happy to talk. We have such weird hours. We can't exactly do anything live but yeah we, boy we, we we are uh rocking on on the mail recently so yeah
2: but
1: we're, we're the, the weird irony is that we're actually not in the same room very often yeah <laughs>
2: i'm and when glad we are,
1: we're stinking drunk <laughs> and fighting we just edit that part out it broke my tooth <laughs> i didn't expect that <laughs> i didn't even have milk available grudging respect
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> but i love him <laughs> always have <laughs>
2: uh
0: but yeah feel free to to write us anything yeah. uh you want and thanks uh thanks for listening and going through the old back log. yeah thank you claire claire bear she f-ing hates that <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so class in summation. Uh it's called the Ring of Fire. It's a it's an area of It's an area of tectonic activity that makes us all make t- we have to be very aware. Am I the only one? I, anybody? I okay. We have to be aware of, of earthquake safety. No, I swear to God I heard it that time. All right. Well, uh kids, I gotta get going. My wife Mitsuko's got her family in town. Um, you know, we're gonna we're, we're all going to whisper for the next 30 seconds, because I swear to God, I people. Well, hell, I don't even know if I'm just going crazy now. It's like, damn it! Yeah. Beep, beep, ah, my wife's going to kick my ass. I keep swearing in English. Uh? I think I don't even think I could speak Japanese anymore. I'm the world's worst. It's fine. He's, he's uh? Mecha Johnzilla is destroying everything uh? yet again. People. Mecca yeah. Mecha Johnzilla, <laughs> our robotic tyrant, <laughs> rising from the depths to dispense ugly justice. <laughs> How the hell are you, Johnzilla?
0: Should we, should we point out that, that at <laughs> no point has, has Johnzilla ever written Mecha in there? Yeah. We just threw that in there yeah. to differentiate from Gothzilla, mm, I that's believe. Right. But... The Kiwi yeah, that's Killer. That's what you are now. <laughs> Godzilla, the Kiwi Killer.
1: <laughs> the thunder from down Auckland.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, nay.
1: Nay. Which, which, uh, n- no. Nay. That was that one. That was pretty good. Which reminds me, Godzilla, North Island, South Island.
0: Oh, yeah. Where are you from? Yeah. Dunedin. What is it? Dunedin. Dunedin. Invercargill. Christchurch. <laughs> that last one was not good,
1: but. You know what I'm saying. I want to talk to you about Spate's gold medal ale, the pride of the mm, South. Nice. My favorite beer on this entire planet. This is this is this is Mecca Johnzilla's time. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This is Mecca Johnzilla's time. He's the one who's writing in. Gothzilla's like probably spending a lot of time
0: hibernating in the sea. She's right.
1: lacing up extraordinarily tall Doc Martin boots. <laughs> it takes a lot of time to do that properly. <laughs> Goth ain't easy. It'll work at it. <laughs> Oh, he's got, uh, first of all, he's got a name for the fans. Awesome. I, I love this. Keep them coming. Yeah, I like this. So it's, 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 I really, it, like, we're getting, all of a sudden, this is just coming out of the woodwork, like, like badgers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting it go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I really like this one. The Church of the Photobians. Mm. But there are two sects, the Florins and the Stachosians. There's no difference. It's just arbitrary. <laughs> 50-50 Topical. split. Topical. <laughs> secondly listening to the listeners dream about the man who was falling from the ceiling yeah he was reminded of a similar type thing that has been happening to him twice in the place where he lives now uh while he was sleeping he dreamt that he was awake with his eyes closed and he began to hear just the most pants raspy female hiss that grew louder and louder in his ear till he actually woke up and when he woke he was still swear that he could hear it just a little
0: at least it was female yeah <laughs> I don't know,
1: man. There's a point at which if it's a dude, you can just punch him and not worry about it. Right. I don't like that. He had another vivid dream where he was in his room and men were operating on someone next to him. But when he looked at them their faces shifted into alienesque visages. Oh, big, come on. Big. Oh my god. Oh, shut up, Johnny SATs from earlier. No, <laughs> it's,
0: it's, is it cuz he didn't no. take
1: time to juxtapose anything? No, it's just it's this is freaky. Oh, okay. I thought you were commenting on his use of the word visage.
0: No ass. I'm this is this is freaky and it's like how do you know whether that's real or not? Yeah.
1: That's repressed memory. up. Um, he woke up screaming, "I know what you are," which is kind of kind of Too pretty late. good. Too late, and you wake up next screaming next to your lady, and then when they look at you, you go,
2: "You're perfect,"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, "They're oh, like, shut up!" Nice save, nice save. <laughs> uh, thanks for, and he thanks us for making us uh, making him laugh. Well, thank you for giving us the opportunity to have. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the Japanese translator in the American Air Force base whose wife is Mitsuko. He
0: doesn't have a name. He
1: doesn't. You never gave him a name. Tragic. Well, yeah. No. He's just you know he's trying to teach kids about stuff. He's, yeah. He's like the world's early warning system for <laughs> Mecha
0: Johnzella. He's the worst warning system.
1: Uh, thanks, Mecca
0: Going to round this out with a uh, missive from uh, Miss Angelina.
1: Oh, hello, Angelina. Why, you're my angel, but not that crappy Aerosmith song. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. that I hate Aerosmith. I think they have a lot of jams, but
0: Angel's shitty song. Angie, you're more like,
2: let me living it up while you're going down. <laughs>
0: Oh, we're the best people that we did that. Uh, She just has a super uh, useless superpower for us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The ability to turn traffic lights red. The more emotional you get, the longer the light stays red. (laughs) You just hump yourself. (laughs) She says she personally believes that she has this power and can attest to its uselessness. (laughs) Very nice. I
1: like that. I like there's a little Murphy's law in there. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Angelina.
0: Thanks. And I don't want to close my eyes. Don't I don't want to fall asleep because oh, I'm no. out of traffic light. And I need to go to work. <laughs>
2: Even floor a crash and burns. Oh. Oh, f- you. I am <laughs> best. And I don't oh. want to do some more.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a good landing. i don't want to sing some more oh Uh, thank you everyone yeah hope you enjoyed your uh documentary yeah today that's Uh, right it was well researched oh (laughs) uh, ken
1: burns we rule this now now we've made it ours
0: (laughs) Uh, don't forget to go to, uh, blurry photos podcast on the Facebook and the YouTube. Yep. You can subscribe. You can like us. You can go to blurry underscore photos on Twitter. Follow us there. Mm-hmm. And you can also go to iTunes. Five star rating. You can give us clap, five clap, five clap, five clap, five clap, stars. Clap. And you can rate us. And please don't forget. We have a donate
1: button. Mm hmm. Punch it with your wallet or your credit card. Punch it not light, punch it very hard (laughs) so that we can buy a bouncy castle for our yard. (laughs) Uh, Blurry photos, bouncy castle. (laughs) Come on in, kids. (laughs) It's spooky.
0: (laughs) Asterisk, bouncy castle. Maybe heat press soon. Yeah. Uh, T shirts. We are are moments away from, from getting the store set up. Also, if you are so inclined and you like listening to stuff on your device of choice, which
1: you're busted, you
0: do. You do. We know this about you. you. do. That's our market Ye- research. You're bit. Uh, go to audibletrial.com slash blurry photos and get a free audio book yep. of your choice. Get the trial. Try it out. I'm into it. It's a 30-day free membership. If you don't like it, you don't have to keep it, but we're we're pretty sure you're going to like it. You get a free audiobook on us. We get a high five. Yep, a monetary high five, which we enjoy deeply. And then if you want to keep it, which you probably will, you can continue getting audiobooks and cool ones at that. True story. I didn't expect to
1: keep it. I thought I was going to want and done it. Nope. I mean. Kept it. Yep, I was into it. And I'm still
0: into it. They've got stuff that you'll like. I bet. I just got uh, a Nick Redfern book on um, uh, pyramids in the Pentagon. Ooh, I got to pick one up. I'm going on vacation next week. There you go. You go got a Disney world. Yeah. For real. Because I between, love Disney. In between blurry photos episodes, you're going to want to uh, listen to something else. This is the perfect way to do it. Yep. Audible trial.com slash blurry photos try it out. Oh,
1: I just remembered something I was going to do during listener mail, but I'm just going to put it here now anyway.
0: Go crazy.
2: Uh,
1: No, um, I did something this weekend that was kind of awesome and and terrible and uh, I'm just seeing if anyone else has ever pulled this particular stunt. Lana, I'm looking at you. (laughs) You and I seem to follow a similar path with alcohol and behavior. (laughs) I woke up. uh, I've been working a lot lately. Work's been very difficult and I finally had a whole Saturday to myself. So I woke up I didn't feel like like making anything for breakfast so i just didn't but then i remembered i had a six pack of sweet delicious cider in the fridge so bing bang boom cracked one open at like 10 in the morning by noon i'm trashed because i haven't eaten i'm like wandering around my apartment stunned that i have found myself <laughs> suddenly completely loaded by 2 o'clock, pass out on my sofa, wake up at 6, I'm hungover, still haven't eaten, but now I'm hungover, don't feel like leaving the house. Yeah. Not till 9 o'clock did I eat. That's what I did with my day off because I can't be trusted with free time. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Okay. Yep. Well done. And back to our closing statements. I saved my drinking uh, for the show. Not me. <laughs> Not me. Opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, hope you liked it. Um check out all that stuff. Uh keep on, keep it on. And for this episode of blurry photos,
1: I have been David House of Badgers Stecco. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I have never <laughs> terrible. Oops.
0: <laughs> and I have been David Battlefield Enthusiast of Flora. Oh. <laughs>
2: sweet amazing
1: spy Confronted by rocks, (laughs) many kinds, (laughs) granite, shale, slate, chert, chert, chert. Many times I was awakened from a half doze on a long march by the tortured screams of chert hanging in the air, slickest of the stones to fall on it was to fall on a knife's blade.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. <laughs> Damn you Churt,
0: we called them church children, <laughs> children of the church or uh, churchren. Chrand
1: I'd like to believe the farmer got indignant and said that's
2: impossible.
1: I've never passed through <laughs> any of my animals out there, but no, we don't put anything over there. My father told me it was quite evil, oh the east lot, that's different
2: That's
0: different. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've got duckies and goats, and there's a sheep there that looks like you want to pet it, but it is not your friend. No, sir. It will butt you with its head cruelly and to the middle of your groin region. Now let's go have something in the barn. I've got tea. <laughs> what can't be improved with Ed Wynn? Nothing. <laughs> the building had been used as a field hospital. F- a hospital. 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 The f- building... <laughs> I was dead, but I was dead before one syllable. I meant like three bill, three three bills, <laughs>
2: three billdos, <laughs>
1: <laughs> three billdos. I meant three beers, and I uh, haven't had dinner, so shut up, America. I'm trying as hard as I can,
0: serving as the headquarters for Confederate General. <laughs> Confederate, <laughs> that's what I fucking wrote. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
0: He's a confirmed, confirmed
1: general. I'm putting him in jail. He's a Confederate and I can prove it. <laughs> the terms and burn. I hear a heart <laughs> slavery. <laughs> All
0: right. <clears throat> Serving as headquarters for Confederate. T- <laughs> Damn it. Um. <clears throat>
1: Where's prayers I didn't learn can? I hate slurvery. Gird bird. <laughs> <laughs> First girl <laughs> serving years ago.
0: Uh, all right, um,
2: serving as head serving ser- herd quarters.